But I wanted to show Lucas um, with the relationship that he has with his dad, which is very tender and loving, the relationship that he has with his mother-in-law. You know, he he cares for her too. The relationship that he has with Roger, um, the mutt, the, the, the abandoned dog that he adopts. So I really wanted to show how he became who he was when, when we start the story throughout the book. You know, why is he doing these things? What So that if readers, even if they didn't root for him to get away with what, what he'd done to his wife, to understand why. And to really have, I was hoping that readers would root for him a little bit, at least, if not completely all the way, but have empathy for him. And then think, why am I, why do I have empathy? for somebody who's done these terrible things. Yeah. So it was it, it, it was a really um, fun exploration, really, of how do I create an evil character who will still take readers along for the ride and, who, and, and readers are happy to go along for the ride with him. Joanna, if you're tuning in for the first time, this is my podcast. I like to promote authors and artists and creatives. And today I'm going to try to calm my excitement. I'm going to try to be calm and professional here. Um, I have internationally best-selling author, Hannah Mary McKinnon. Now, Hannah was born in the UK. She grew up in Switzerland and now lives in Canada with her husband and three sons. Before moving to Canada, she had completed commercial studies in Geneva and worked as a PA for DuPont. Later, she moved to an, oh my God, Hannah, I should have asked you this. Neuchâtel. Neuchâtel, thank you. There you go. I I messed it up the first time (laughs) we talked to. And there's my professionalism. <laughs> okay. and became, she became the purchasing manager for a high-tech company. Hannah is the author of numerous essays and pieces. Her sixth novel, Never Coming Home, is in stores now, and it's receiving great reviews. I, wrote, I have a couple of them here. Uh, sly and deliciously clever, Hannah Mary McKinnon, captivates with this engrossing tale of a missing wife and the devious husband who hopes to inherit her fortune. Also, 
Hannah Mary McKinnon is back with another sit up and read until the small hours of the morning thriller. Hannah, I'm, I'm trying to not be bubbly with excitement, but I am excited to discuss this book, Never Coming Home. And I'm glad when authors want to return to the podcast, because that means I haven't terrorized them with the first experience. <laughs> definitely, definitely not. No, it was lovely. And thank you for having me back. It's such a, such a thrill and an honor. Thank you, Joanna. Good. All right. Well, first, like the artist in me, I love the cover. Uh, it has a picket fence, but it's like a light shade of blue. I'll call that um, cotton candy blue. That's an, And then the bricks are blue with the yellow. This is a really cool cover. I, I love the cover. I take no credit for it, though. That's all the art department uh, at HarperCollins. They are geniuses. Um, I, can't, I can't even draw a stick man, so they blow me away every time. It is. It's a lovely color. Lovely colors that really pop. Yeah. Um, some orangey yellows and blues. Yeah, definitely. So, so, I remember in our last podcast, listeners, if you want to tune in, it was on June 4th, 2021. You had given us a teaser about this mm -hmm. novel. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was thinking, really? Okay, because it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a you, you turn the tables on this one. And I wanted to know the what if and how did the idea start to roll for this book? So Never Coming Home, honestly, um, it was a joy to write. I think some, some books are harder than others. And, and this one really was, it really was a joy for, for a number of reasons. The, the, the premise really is a, a guy who um, is feeling very smug because his wife has disappeared and he knows that she's never coming home because he organized a hitman on the dark web to get rid of her so he can inherit all of her money. So he plays the grieving husband until a, a cryptic photograph with a cryptic note on the back show up on his doorstep because somebody knows what he did or they think they know what he did or he thinks they think uh, he that they know what he did and mayhem ensues. And this one was a little bit different in terms of where the idea came from than my previous books, because normally it's say um, something I hear on the news or something I see that I hear on the radio or see on the news or read somewhere. And this one really was more character driven. Um, this book, although it's my third pandemic release, it's the book I wrote during the pandemic. So the book for 2020, I wrote in 2018, 2019. The book for 2021 was written in, in um, 2019 and then a bit of 2020. But this one was written in 2020 and 2021. I started it a month after my mum passed. She passed in July 2020. And this was when you know, COVID had really just been around for a few months. Um, the numbers were skyrocketing. We were in full lockdown and it was really quite a disturbing time. Plus then bolt on the grief from losing my mum and not being able to go to Switzerland to see her. And so I really needed somewhere to go to escape everything that was just all the craziness in the world and the grief and everything. And I wanted to write a thriller, but I also wanted to have a character who made me laugh. Okay. So 
choosing to write from a villain's point of view was new to me. I had dabbled a little bit in that with You Will Remember Me, so the, the 2021 book, but the villain in question isn't necessarily funny. Whereas I found that Lucas, for me anyway, if, if, if readers like and enjoy my sense of humour, then they'll probably enjoy Lucas, I hope. He made me laugh. Yeah. So I remember getting up every day and disappearing into this book where I could wreak havoc and be really sarcastic and, and get out my frustrations. And I was reading it back and he would make me laugh, which felt lovely because everything else was so horrible and, yeah. and desperate and, and hopeless. So it really was a, um, a character-driven exercise where I I love stories where you root for the villain knowing that you shouldn't, but you can't help yourself. You know they're bad and you shouldn't, you shouldn't be egging them on. You shouldn't be hoping that they get away with whatever they do. And I wondered if I could pull that off. So that was that was really how Lucas came about. He saved my sanity that year. He really did. <laughs> Murderous ways and all. <laughs> well, there are, there's dialogue in there or his inner thoughts where I'm like, I wonder if her husband has, has her, her partner has, has read this, right? Like where he's just, cause the victim, the victim is not necessarily a very nice person. Like she doesn't. Well, it's interesting. You should say that because that means that you bought into Lucas is the the evil person's um, portrayal of her, and is it accurate? It is in his mind. Um, but yes, Michelle, his wife, is is in his eyes. You know, she's a, a trust fund brat, um, privileged, and needs to be taken down a, a, a peg or twenty five. <laughs> <So. laughs> okay, so Lucas. Like I said, we, you kind of, I think you kind of answered this, you know, because I was thinking, I can't call him like the hero because he's mm -hmm. the murderer. But it, you were saying it was the humor, right? It was the humor that he, that came out when he yes. was writing. Yeah, I really wanted to, to, because writing or reading, I should say, I find reading a book entirely from an evil character's perspective can be a bit heavy. If you're just always in the mind of somebody who's who's evil. Yeah. And I, I started from the mindset that there are exceptions, of course, but most people, even if they do evil things, are not evil to their core. There are some exceptions, of course. But but I wanted to show Lucas um, with the relationship that he has with his dad, which is very tender and loving the relationship that he has with his mother-in-law you know he he cares for her too the relationship that he has with Roger um the mutt the 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 abandoned dog that he adopts so I really wanted to show how he became who he was when when we start the story throughout the book you know why is he doing these things what so that if readers even if they didn't route for him to get away with what what he'd done to his wife to understand why yeah. and to really have I was hoping that readers would root for him a little bit at least if not completely all the way but have empathy for him and then think why am I why do I have empathy for somebody who's done these terrible things yeah. so it was it, it it was a really um fun exploration really of how do I create an evil character 
who will still take readers along for the ride and who and and readers are happy to go along for the ride with him yeah because now i'm wondering you just said his relationship with his father and with roger and i know in my mind i was thinking when did it switch when did it switch from reading about like you said this smug guy <laughs> who's after his wife's inheritance to okay is he going to get caught is he going to get caught? Is this it? Is this when the curtains come down on him? Right? Like, cause at some, like I was thinking, when does that switch happen? And I'm wondering now if it's because I'm thinking of the scene with his father mm -hmm. and the money. And it, like you said, how he behaves with Roger, Roger, it, it, people is a dog. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the dog's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing happens. Thank God. <laughs> cause I think that would have been it for me with, right. You don't touch dogs. <laughs> That's just me. So, That's one anyway. of the rules. Yeah. yeah. So like I said, this may seem like a simple question, but like I was saying, my brain literally like did a 360 because we're coming at this from Lucas's point of view. And I was wondering, okay, um, maybe it's my, you know, I'm a new writer, new author. You're plotting the killer's actions first. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of thinking this out loud. But behind the scenes, you're plotting another storyline, and that's mm -hmm. Lucas being discovered. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering, did you have like two lines going across your a page, or like just how did you you work it? Like it, it just yeah. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I I know what you mean. I and I and I did the same with with um with Sister Dear, the book from 2020, because it's Eleanor's story in that one, but. There's her half-sister as well, and, and her story comes into it too. But what I needed in both of them, actually, I have the main character who's telling the story, because Never Coming Home is all from Lucas's point of view. But then on the other hand, I have another character doing stuff that Lucas only sees a bit of, but he can't understand how or why. So I made separate notes. You know, this is what's going on with Lucas. And this is what the other person is doing yeah. and why and how and when. Yeah. But of course, I had to keep that separate from Lucas and not let that lead into what he knew because he wasn't allowed to know any of it. Yeah. So I had to kind of ring fence him. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's how I did that. Yeah. I, I, yes, it's it's basically um, two storylines that you're, you're thinking of, writing, but only writing the reaction to the other one that's going on that Lucas only sees in drips and drabs. So it's how he reacts to that, not the actual doing of these things, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It does. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that it's a character driven story. Mm -hmm. um, did you ever have any concerns about the pacing of it, given that it's kind of like a plot reversal? Did you have any concerns like that or no? Yes, I think um, the edits for this one were actually quite light, the structural edits, when my, my editor saw her first draft, not my first draft, but her first draft. And we did a bit of, um, a little bit of surgery on the, on, the, on the pacing at the beginning. We felt it was perhaps a little bit slow to, to get going because there's, there's the, the history of Lucas and why he is and what he's doing and why he's doing what he's doing. Um, so she definitely helped me with that. There was there was uh, some mild surgery that needed to be done. 
<laughs> to, to speed things up a bit. Well, I know with mine, I'm doing a major operation. <laughs> I just, I've taken, you know what, it, I think it was the other day, I thought, okay, I need to start numbering these chapters correctly, because I had taken chapters, like I looked and I'm like, one, two, three, four, 17, just how I had uh, moving around. Right? Yes. You know what I started doing? Um, I did this in the, la- the one I've written for next year, and the one I'm writing now. In the chapter titles, I'll put chapter number, but then I'll put the day. And that really helped. I don't know why I haven't done this. I've been writing for years, but I've never done this before. And it really helped because then when I moved things around and we left those in until copy edits. So if we moved chapters around, I knew, okay, so here it's Friday. Now it's Thursday. And oh, look, it's Monday. Uh Uh-oh, got to go and change, do some fine tuning. And that really, really helped. That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. I wish I'd had it 10 years ago. <laughs> That's a good idea. Okay. <laughs> so as I'm, I know as I'm reading this book, you know, like I said, in the beginning, I'm kind of thinking, oh, this guy, like he's, I'll say it, you know, I'm thinking he's a loser. He's murdered mm-hmm. his wife. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then I'm wondering, is he going to get caught? Like there is this switch in the reader's brain with regards to Lucas you know, and I'm thinking it's, is. do you think that happens because the endearing qualities you gave Lucas? Or is it a bit of the fascination with a, like a cat and mouse game? Like, what do you think? I think it could be because Lucas isn't all bad. Yeah. You know, he has these layers um, he's not an out and out psycho in the kitchen with a knife, you know, he's, he's, he, and he basically says it's, it's, it's not personal. I just, I, I want her money. I want her money to take care of my dad and she's a means to an end, which is all awful and terrible and, and, and despicable. Yes. But in some ways, when you know his background and what happened to his dad, you can understand it, even though it's not something you would ever do or consider you start thinking, hmm, okay. And he has enemies as well who are worse than him. <laughs> so, so I think that probably helps too. Um, I find him really quite quite endearing because he's in his own way, he's trying to do right by his dad. Doesn't make it right what he's trying to do yeah. at all, uh, what he has done to Michelle. But I think I think that's probably what it is, that he's just not, he's not out and out evil. Yeah. He's, he's multifaceted. And yeah, and I'm thinking for me, I think it was that scene where his dad and him and some bad guys mm-hmm. and uh, he can't help his dad, that that's when he wanted to. And that I think that was the switch for me. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so. Interesting. Oh, good. And that's why I had burnt lasagna the other day. <laughs> Thinking about stories, thinking about your book, thinking when was the switch, you know? That's so interesting. <laughs> my yeah. spouse is saying, I smell something. I'm like, no, it's fine. The timer hasn't gone yet. <laughs> well, yeah. So I <laughs> ate burnt lasagna with a steak knife. Anyways, so. <laughs> about that. <laughs> Were there any surprise characters that came out of the woodwork who weren't in the original draft of the story? or any characters that just were such a joy to get your teeth into? 
so there, there's I mean, there, the 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 villain or the other villain, Bobby Boyle, yeah. um, made me laugh so much. So he's a a Mancunian self-styled Mancunian, so from Manchester in the UK, uh, self-styled mafioso, and he has an aversion to swearing. Um, so he substitutes swear words with other words. So he would say which instead of the B word, um, or he would say hit instead of sugar, honey, iced tea. <laughs> and, um, and the reason I did that was because originally I didn't have that in the original version. Yeah. He was just, you know, really foul mouthed and the book was so blue. I thought, no, 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 I've got to, I've got to change this. And it made me laugh so much. And my editor liked it, but she said, it's a bit, you know, it doesn't make him very evil. So you've got to make him a bit more evil. So I did. I had to make him, you know, he's, he's a nasty guy. He's a nasty guy, um, Bobby. Yeah. But he was he was fun to write. The banter between Bobby and, and Lucas um, really was a joy. That just made me laugh so much. And then Bobby has a sidekick called Heinz, um, this, this German German guy who's involved um, in, in Bobby's crew. And he only has a very small part. But again, he's a criminal, but he's actually a nice guy, really, because he's trying to help Lucas. And I made, he only has a really small, really small part. Um, but I found him really interesting. You know, he's got this obsession with um, Egyptian uh, history and <laughs> knows all the names of the pharaohs and how they died and when and stuff you know and it's just a couple of lines but I found him so interesting I thought be cool to have maybe one day who knows there's nothing in the works but he'd be a really interesting character to 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 have as the the lead for a book one day Um, I really liked him he popped out of nowhere quite literally he would because he tries to warn Lucas he does sometimes that's so true Yeah, yes, okay. he does. He's, he's a bad guy, but with a heart, yeah. which is that interesting combination uh, that makes him endearing, even though he works, his boss is a criminal. You know, that's cool, because I'm just thinking you can have a character who can be um, law abiding and good, but still be absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, God. We yeah. And you can have someone who's not law abiding and who's actually still quite nice i mean bobby as bad and evil as he was he had principles there's certain things he would not touch (laughs) so it was a it was a fun book to write it really was cool all right so we got to talk about the research and again i I kept wondering (laughs) i wonder if her spouse has seen her um you know (laughs) her browsing history (laughs) and gone uh (laughs) right so before we lead in before we will, we will talk about your research. I kind of jumped ahead here. Was were there any scenes or a favorite scene that you wrote about that after you were done, it was just kind of like, yeah, you kind of had like a little fist pump or there's there's a line near the end, and I can't say what it is because because I will I will divulge too much. Um, but there's a line in which there's a reference to wolves. And that line to this day 
gives me goosebumps. I remember writing that scene thinking, yes, I love that scene. Yes. And the last one too. Um, those ones, they, they were really, they stuck with me. They were really, really fun to write. And I thought, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm happy. I'm satisfied with, with the ending and the lead up to the end as well. Um, and, you know, this book is, is different to, to my others. Going back to what I said about earlier about writing it during the pandemic and after my mom passed, it made me laugh. And that's not necessarily typical of, of my books. In parts, they do. I mean, I was trying to have some humour in there, of course. But this one is definitely funnier than my others. It's darker, I think, um, too, but, but it's funnier. And I think some people have been a bit surprised by that. They're not, they're not quite sure what to, <laughs> what to make of it. Um, but it was, it was what felt right for me at the time and for Lucas's character and for the state of the world, um, certainly as it was when, when I wrote it. So um, I'm, I'm tremendously happy with how the book turned out. Um, and I was really on the back of the book, it says, so the tagline at the front, it says, first comes love, then comes murder. Yeah. And then on the back of the book, the first line is missing wife, happy life. Yeah. And I floated that as a as a, a joke, really, to my to my editor when I first sent in the proposal. I said, Here, here's an idea for a tagline, ha ha ha, yeah. missing wife, happy life. And it stuck yeah. and it ended up on the back, which just, and that really sets the tone. It's it's tongue in cheek. Yeah. It's still dark. It's still a thriller, but it is supposed to make you chuckle a bit. Yeah. So, so I hope that's what people will read into it. Yeah. No pun intended or all puns intended. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. That's good. Now the murder happens off the pages. Mm -hmm. So is it, I'm thinking, is it the chase, the discovery, the intrigue that, because yeah, I stayed up, I stayed up and I'm flipping, you know, reading, reading through. And I still love paper copies. I do. They're so much easier on my eyes, right? So thank you for um, your team for sending You're me You're welcome. Copy. You're very welcome. So is it, the, is it like a chase? It's a chase to, for me, for me. Is he going to get discovered? Is he going to get caught? I think it is. I think it's the it's the chase. Is he going to get caught? And who's going to make him get caught? Yeah. Who is behind everything that's going on? Who is dropping off these? No spoiler here, but the the cryptic notes and the photograph. Who who's who's messing with him? Yeah. Um. And. and what do they want and how do they know? And with all the preparations that he's that he's made and very meticulous in, in his execution of said murder, um, who is it? Because the, the reader can, can guess and, and I'm sure, you know, uh, avid thriller readers might, might guess. Um, I'm hoping they won't guess everything. But uh, I think it's that, it, it, it's both of them. Is, is hopefully it flips to, as you said, is he going to get caught? I don't want him to get caught. Yeah. I think he should get caught, but I still don't want him to. And who's behind it? Yeah, it's kind of the cat and mousey thing. Yeah, and I'm just thinking of the characters in here. And I even I liked the brother 
you know, like, I don't know yeah. what it is. The, the, Travis, the, yeah. Yeah, the brother who has a drug habit and yeah. is, like, crashing emo- yeah. emotionally. Yeah. I even, like, I liked him. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, he, was, he was, you know, he was, he was damaged, uh, as as they all were, really, for the most part. Um, but I, I liked him, too. I felt, I felt sorry for Travis, um, the situation that he was in, the desperation that he felt. Um, you know, on drugs and drinking too much and basically this downward self-destructive spiral. Yeah. Um, I liked him too. So with those characters and with plotting this, did you ever have a moment when you just kind of sat back and thought, well, geez, I didn't see that coming? (laughs) (laughs) No, weirdly, not really. Um, I think out of all of my books, this one was the easiest to birth. (laughs) It was the one, the plot came together really quickly. Lucas's character and his voice in particular were were very clear from pretty much the first chapter. And I, I knew where I was going with the book. I knew how it would end. I even knew what the last word would be. I'd already decided that. And I mean, there were things that changed and, and towards the end, I needed to add in another another twist, another chapter because it wasn't quite working. And of course, there were edits with my editor. And obviously, um, she didn't read it and go, yes, that's great. We'll publish it as it, as it is. No, yeah. uh, definitely not. But it was, you will remember me that the book from last year was a struggle. It was a hard, hard book to write a character with amnesia. And, and it was it was just hard. I remember. Yeah, yeah, we we chatted about that last time and and it was it really was difficult and threw me a little bit um, because I hadn't expected it to be that difficult. So I remember writing Never Coming Home and saying to Rob, to my husband, saying it's going well. It's going too well. It's (laughs) all going to fall apart. This is not this is not normal. I'm being lulled into a false sense of security. Um, and then it and then it worked out and it worked well. And, and so I fully expect the next 10 books to smack me around the face because they're not going to be quite so smooth. I won't say easy because it's never easy writing yeah. 300 pages, but but smooth. OK, that is funny. I mean, every writer and author out there is going to laugh. I mean, yeah, that 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 second guessing of, OK, this is going well. Why is this going well? Yes. What am I missing? Why? Why? What's going on? This should be happening this easy, right? If it's going well, it means it's terrible. (laughs) Oh, dear. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. Um, Now, we've we've hinted at your research. Mm -hmm. And... uh, yeah, did you does 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 your partner know that you were researching hitmen on the dark web? I've just I, did that kind of slip in your casual conversation as you're eating Bert lasagna. <laughs> I did have one conversation with him. I did not visit. Full disclaimer: I did not visit the dark web. I did not go on the dark web. That was a step too far, even for me. But I did read about it. Um, I spoke to people about it. I listened to podcasts about it, and it was absolutely fascinating. Which was the comment I made to Rob one night. I came home after a walk. So I always listen to podcasts or audiobooks when I go for a walk. And there was one on Audible about the dark web. And I came home and I said, I've been listening to this podcast about the dark web. It's absolutely fascinating. And he just looked at me with an eyebrow raised. He said, Oh God, do I do what should I ask? What? What are you doing now? 
And we have these interesting conversations where I'll find out about, you know, if you <laughs> don't try this at home, people, but <laughs> if you if you dig a grave and you don't outside somewhere, you don't want animals to get to it, you dig it a bit deeper and then you add a layer of stones so that, that and rocks and stuff and then cover the body so animals can't get to it. And Drano does terrible things oh. to corpses. And it's stuff like that I'll then tell him about. And he just shakes his head and he just, he says, I, okay. You know, he's an electrician by trade. So it, it, it's very different from what he does. But my set, one of my, one of our 17 year old twins came um, downstairs last night and he walked into the office and he said, mom, I'm worried about you and dad. I said, what, why? Oh, what, no. what are you, why are you worried? And he said, I thought he was going to say, oh, you're getting older or something, you know, but no. He says, well, I'm reading Never Coming Home. And the man kills the wife for the money and the insurance money. I, should I worry about my dad? <laughs> and I said, well, no, but actually that reminds me, I should call the insurance broker because we haven't done an insurance policy review for a while. And he just made big eyes at me. He's just shaking his head. So they they used to they used to this, you know, resharing my my um research about decomp and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's an interesting one. But yes, Rob has not read, he read. He listened to You Will Remember Me. He'd gone to New Brunswick to see his parents and he was driving back and he'd stopped to, to get petrol. And he calls me and he says, so I listened to the end of You Will Remember Me. I said, oh, oh great. What did you think? And he said, uh, I'm just going to drive straight past Oakville and keep going. <laughs> so I'm not sure... What he'll say when he reads Never Coming Home, because the way Lucas says about killing killing his wife and, oh, come on, you've all thought of it. Come on, admit it. You know, you've thought about the face planting in the in the peas, in the, the, the frozen section in the supermarket or a piano dropping from the sky or whatever. Um, yes, I think uh, he, he might raise a few eyebrows, but he knows I love him. We've been we've been married for 23 years. So so it's all good. Good, good. Well, it's almost like. I think at times you want to say to your partner, don't ask, it's all good, or else it's, okay, are you coming along for the ride? You know, yes. like, don't worry, I'm I'm creating another story. I'm yes. another, you know, so. Exactly. Um, yeah. I remember when I wrote The Neighbours, um, I said to Rob, I sat him down, oh, I, didn't, I didn't sit him down, that sounds really formal, but I, yeah. we were sitting down, I said, look, I'm writing this book. Yeah. And I've Googled a lot about adultery yeah. and cheating and hiding stuff. It's for the book. I swear, I promise, <laughs> you know, yeah. don't freak out if you're updating because he's our tech guy. Yeah. You know, if you're updating my, my computer and you, you see the search history and it's you know, <laughs> signs, your spouse is cheating or that kind of <laughs> stuff. You know, please, it's yeah. it's just just for the book um so I give him a disclaimer depending what I'm working on and he helps me with research too he's helped he's helped me um I've had him I think it was for oh it was for her secret son um we're in the living room I said can you just lie down and pretend I'm stabbing you I just need to <laughs> figure out how it would work 
<laughs> not with a knife, obviously, but you know, just just so I could visualize what that would look like. And he's he's a good egg. He'll, you know, he, he he comes along for the ride, so it's all good. See, and I've had the reverse where I've been sitting, t- you know, writing, and then I'll be like throwing my fists, you know, and you don't realize that maybe your partner could be walking down the hall to go get something right as you're, you know, you're punching the air. And I know he stopped and he goes, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just, what, 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 what is the, what's, what's this move? And he goes, uppercut. I go, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <Right? laughs> he just turns and walks away. <laughs> right? It is, it must be funny. You know what, um, if we got our spouses and partners together, you know, thriller, thriller, who don't, who aren't also writers, but thriller, uh, the partners of thriller authors together in a room. I wonder, I wonder how that conversation would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was a nice tangent to go on. I, I love that. Yeah, okay. So thinking about your research, you mentioned podcasts. That mm-hmm. intrigues me. Um, I know I will, I will actually try to Google podcasts about the dark web because mm-hmm. I don't want to go there, but I kind of want to mm-hmm. know about it, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I listened to a podcast called, um, ah, it's a spy podcast and I can hear the woman's voice. She has a very lovely, lovely, um, voice, but it's a spy podcast and it's fascinating. Like you Mm -hmm. said, it's Mm -hmm. And the thing I like about podcasts is I can be creating art or like you said, you could be out walking Mm -hmm. and, and you're getting really good information. Yes. 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 I love them. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite podcast? Is it is it the spy one? It is okay. So for humor, I um, now this is not everybody's type of humor. It's Mark Maron's WTF. He has very dry, a bit, <laughs> you know, neurotic, but he makes me laugh. Okay, mm. he does make me laugh. And actually, I just have it here. It is True Spies espionage and it's a really good one where um they talk about past um espionage you know even going back to the women in the second world war like the women did so much yes you don't hear about right yes and um so it'll venture to the second world war it'll be more recent to um the Iraq war, you know, so it's, and it's, it's fascinating. Um, that's where I learned about what we are doing, open source intelligence, where we're trying to find information. That's yes. the term Interesting. On, on Google, you know, on the internet. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Fantastic. I have to look that one up. I love, yeah. love podcasts. Yeah. So last little bit about research. Any strange places to which you found you were being led to? Um, do you care to share what pod, what are your favorite podcasts? Or um, I generally I, I listen to to them on Audible most of the time. Um, so the, I'm not really sure it's classed as a podcast or more of an audio book, but it was Heist by Michael Caine, uh, the British actor. Okay, I think it's about six episodes where he tells the stories of these heists and interviews people and whatnot um, about them. And they're absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's, he's such a, uh, 
a warm character too, such a friendly, comes across so friendly and, and sounds a bit like my, like my grandfather used to actually. So that's really endearing to me. Uh, and that one I absolutely loved. I devoured it. I think I went out every day um, for as long as the episodes were longer so I could have uh, one or two. And then there have been a couple of other ones, um, again, on Audible. One was called Evil Has a Name. Okay. And that was about the Golden State Killer oh, uh, out wow. in California. And it was uh, mainly from the FBI investigator's point of view. It was absolutely fascinating, terrifying. But, you know, the guy was caught, uh, D'Angelo, Joseph D'Angelo was caught in the end, um, you know, 40 odd years after his first crime. And that one was was truly fascinating and chilling um, and really, really good. There was another one that Paul Holes, he's the FBI investigator profiler, did, which was called Call Me God. And that was about the shootings in D.C., um, a number of I can't remember exactly the year when it was. 2011 2012 maybe okay. somewhere around there there was a spat of shootings uh at, at, well outside of stores and petrol stations just sniper shootings okay. for a number of, of weeks and months that these went on and it was how they how they profiled and, and solved that case um over over a number of months so they were that's really that's fascinating i like true crime but it's scary because it's real. You know, yeah. I write stuff that's not real and, and yeah, it might happen, but it didn't happen. Yeah. So anyways, we're going to lift this up. We kind of <laughs> we went down here. Um, we're going to lift it up and we're going to talk because you are on the panel. You're going to be speaking at the Maple Leaf Mystery Conference. I am. That's right. Right. Now, I have to give a plug I'm a, for... for uh, the Maple Leaf Murder West panel, and um, I'm very happy, honored that I get to be a moderator. And just giving a shout out to Dave Butler, Charlotte Morganti, Janice McDonald, and PD Workman. And we'll be discussing using location as a character, a flavor, or a plot element in our stories. Now, you are a panelist, right? Yes. At this conference. So can you, you tell us everything? Tell us the panel you're on, the time, the day, um, what you're looking yes. forward to discussing. So I am on the Love with a Murderous Twist panel. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that one is. The date is the 28th of May, and it is at 5.45, I believe. Well, it might start at six o'clock, but we need to be there at 5.45. Uh, probably sounds about right. And um, the people who are on the panel, so the panel is about, they say, romance in a mysterious setting, great love stories inside a life of crime, maybe just great love interest that plays a role in solving a mystery. The moderator is Donna Carrick. And along with myself, we have Joan Donaldson-Yami, we have Linda Carhill and Amy Tector. So I'm really looking forward to that because, you know, love and murder <laughs> sometimes go together, hopefully not as often as love and marriage. Um, so my grandmother always used to say, I've never thought of divorce, but I've often thought of murder. So I think it will be an interesting, an interesting panel. And of course, as you mentioned, you know, not to make light of it, we know that 
that intimate partner um, violence and abuse is 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 ever present, unfortunately. Um, but in terms of of fiction, I think that relationships are always a good a good arena to have domestic suspense certainly is a huge category and for good reason because it's because it's scary when things go wrong it can be really really terrifying Um, and many of us write about these terrible terrifying things because they scare us and it's a way of dealing with that and a way of writing some of the wrongs that we have perhaps witnessed in other people's relationships or seen on the news or wherever it might be yeah well, I find also, for me, I find I write what I write for the, like, and, you know, we mentioned these words already, discovery, the thrill of discovery, mm-hmm. the chase, the intrigue, um, relationships, you know, and I know it's fiction, but there are definitely topics I won't touch. Mm-hmm. I will never touch anything to do with children, right? Mm-hmm. It's just someplace I won't go, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it's however each individual finds their own balance with what they write about, you know? Like, yes, right. definitely. And it's the same the same with readers. I mean, every time a reader picks up a book, they bring their own history and values and experiences to that work. So you never know how it's going to land. Some people will be, some people are fine with with, um, kids going missing and terrible things happening to them or or animals or women or men or whatever. Uh, And and somebody else won't be. So it's very often that is a product of of who we are, you know, who the reader is when they, when not the writer, but who the reader is. Myself as a reader if I go into a bookstore and I see a book about a cult, yeah. uh, not occult, about a cult, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cults, yeah. I won't pick it up. I won't touch it. I won't watch anything. We were watching something the other day. I think it was a, an episode of FBI or something, and I could feel it veering into culty territory. Yeah. And I got up and left um, because of a personal experience, um, with one of my best friends who, who was murdered in the, in, in a cult setting. Um, I won't touch that. I just, I can't, I can't, because it's too, too real to me. I don't want to live. I want, don't want it dragging up memories of, of what happened when I found out what had happened to him. Um, so, so that's the thing I think as authors, we have to, we can't, we can limit ourselves in in the sense of I don't want to write this because it's it's not I just don't want to touch that. Yeah. But if we censor what we write because um, you know somebody doesn't like cults or somebody uh, would get upset if you I don't know kill off the parakeet or the hamster or <laughs> or, or, or abduct a child, then in the end um, you probably won't write thrillers. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good answer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So what's next? What's ah, next? <laughs> so what's next is the book for 2023, which is in its final round of edits now. So that one is another thriller, of course. 
It's about an anger management therapy exercise gone terribly wrong. So we have Frankie, um, who is in, who ends up in anger management therapy, group therapy, and writes a forgiveness list. So a list of people she could work to forgive should she choose to forgive them from her past because she really should do a frozen and let it go. But of course she can't. And when she loses or misplaces the list, people on said list start getting hurt. The trouble is that her name, among many others, is on the list because she wrote it there because she is the person who is the most difficult to forgive. Her past self is the most difficult to forgive. So who is doing what to whom and why is the question. That sounds cool. That sounds <laughs> really cool. Jeez. Thank you. Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, if this hasn't been too terrorizing, <laughs> I hope you come back and we can talk about it. I would love to. Yes. Same again next year. That would yeah. be great. You know, it has, I was looking at the calendar and it has, yeah, June we're about a year like it's just yes. just close to the year anniversary yeah, yeah that's right you know it's you mentioned anger management and i thought of this movie it's not a popular movie and people are going to groan when they hear this it's called metal lords and it's about three teenagers who create this metal band heavy metal band and the one character, the female, she's dealing with anger management issues. And she was a great character. You know, and that's it's that's why I, I just I bring it up because it's amazing what characters you can you can cook up and you can bring <laughs> up, right? Like she is one fierce cello player. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> cello <laughs> player. Oh, that sounds cool. Metal law is gonna have to look like it was it was rich territory, honestly, because um, particularly as women, we're not supposed to be angry. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really interesting to, to, and what was funny as well with Lucas, I gave him a sense of humor. So people would go, and he's not really an angry guy. No. Um, he, he's, he's not, he's, he's very clinical in his approach, but I was very wary of making, of not making Frankie angry all the time yeah. because that's off-putting can be off-putting so uh, yeah I was probably more aware of that with her was it because she's a female character maybe but it was it was a really it was a really interesting one I, I was able to to get a few quips in there about about you know women how women are supposed to deal with anger what is expected of us as women um, versus if if we were men um, so that was that was quite a quite an interesting exercise to write it from a, a young um, 30 something female point of view. Well, that was with this character. She, you know, she um, had some medication that she took because they they go more into it. Why she has these outbursts and, you know, she'd be talking with her friend and she would have this outburst and then she'd be like, and you could see her inner struggle just to calm down. Yes. You know? And then she'd say something on a level tone, you know, and 
she's the character I remember. So anyways, okay. Interesting. Uh, okay. I'll look it up. Yeah. Well, like I said, <laughs> Metal Lords. <laughs> Metal Lords. And it's not, it's not a, it, I think it was on Netflix. It was a surprise. It's not anything heavy. It's not going to blow your mind away and it's not going to, you know, make you want to change the world, but it was entertaining. You enjoyed it and you're recommending it, which is fantastic and good enough for me. Yeah. And the, just the characters, they definitely had stuff yeah. <laughs> that you were dealing yeah. with. Sounds great. I can't right. wait to watch it. So before you go, final fun question. And I had to think about how I was going to word this, given your book. So Lucas bumps into you at mm -hmm. a private party in London. Mm -hmm. he's holding a glass of champagne. Yeah. What would he say to you? You're not rich enough. Sorry, love. Maybe he'd think it. Maybe he's too he's too smooth and suave to to actually say that out loud. Yeah. Um, I think what he would actually say is, uh, "Oh, I'm I'm ter I'm terribly sorry. You know, here, here's here's a napkin. I'm 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 terribly sorry. Um, send me the dry cleaning bill." But in his head, he'd be thinking, "Move on, darling. You're too old <laughs> and not rich enough." <laughs> oh. In a way, as if that's a blessing, right? Yes. <laughs> That is true. Okay. A lucky escape I wouldn't have known about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so where can people find you on the socials? I have your, I, just in case, I know, just in case, um, Hannah, um, if someone's new tuning in, where can they find you? So on Instagram and on Facebook, it's Hannah Mary McKinnon. On Twitter, it's Hannah M. McKinnon. And if all that fails, just go to hannahmarymckinnon.com and you'll yeah. find all the links there. That's I usually put the website first in the show notes. Yeah. And then all the other, you know, yeah, for sure. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you for spending some time with me talking about your book. Thank this you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Always lovely to see you again. It's same here. And I hope it warms up. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So do I. Okay. Bye, Hannah. Bye. Thank you.